TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Uh, he works for the Browns uh, Radio Network, also a former Ohio State Buckeye national champion. Tyvis, what's going on? G. Bush, what's going on, my guy? Getting ready for this big game tonight. That's what's going on. I see it all in your voice, all in your throat. I see it. You, you super pumped. Like <laughs> You super ready. Now, now, do you have a ritual? Do you got a ritual that you get like because you obviously you play for a lot of professional teams, but it is nothing like getting ready to be watching your alma mater, right? Especially you know when you didn't you didn't kind of lived that before. What what is your what your ritual is when you're watching the game? So my ritual is first on game days here when it's for the Buckeyes. Now that I am a fan, I have to work and do pregame shows down in Columbus, so I got to do that talk about them, give up my personal game plan to see how they would win this game. Then tonight, since it's uh, New Year's Eve, my my father-in-law's birthday tomorrow, so they're throwing him a party, which is perfect because now it's turning the game into a big party oh. where I'm going to be watching the game. And, you know, typically I watch the game very relaxed. You know, I, I'm very calm when I watch the game. But when we get it, when I'm in championship mode, now I'm on. Like I'm on everything, and I'm sitting here yelling, especially at the DBs, because if I see it, they should be able to see it. So I'm gonna be sitting here coaching from the from the couch tonight. <laughs> that has you and you got daughters. They looking at you like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Why are you over there yelling at the TV, Dad? <laughs> this, this, my my plan is when they get older. They'll be able to break DB play down to a T. They're gonna be out there like they're gonna be like, see, the reason you didn't make this play is because you you took too many steps coming out your break, or you went for the ball with the wrong hand. They're gonna look at them like, how you know this? He's, type is gonna pro- he's gonna prohibit his daughters from dating anybody except skill positions. No, no, we don't date linebackers in this in this family. Linebackers, he's unathletic. We don't like that. <laughs> now I will say this. Um, Kind of walk people through it because right now I, I think you guys were the you know one of the first teams playing in a college. I believe the first team to play in the college football playoff, right? Yeah. Okay, so in fourteen, I believe you guys are playing um, Alabama in the first yeah. round, and it was kind of set up the same way. Alabama, you playing an SEC team um, with guys that are flying around. Um, what was the feel? And how did you guys, were, when you were preparing for that game, what was the feel? How was it moving? And what were some of the things that you were doing, thinking about prior to the game? I'm glad that you asked this because this actually ties right into to today. So when we, as we're training, obviously, you know, you get a whole month to train and prepare for them. So, you know, I'm going back. I, I, we prepare for, for Bama. And, you know, all of my family is from Alabama. So I'm getting the calls like, Tyvis, we love you, but roll tide. That's what they hit me with. So I'm like, that's, I'm like, that's pretty you messed dirty. up. But, okay, I see what y'all on. They're like, no, we want you to have a good game. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm like, all right, respect. So I come back to the city of Cleveland, you know, I'm talking to my friends. And everybody's like, yeah, man, I don't know. Y'all going against Bama. I don't, you know, Bama nice. They've been top dogs. So, sitting, so, so the thing about me, G, which is I'm watching the tape, and I'm like, no lie, like, they good, 
but they not what you think they is. They, like, you, you're I, like, I, they I, ain't. What I wa- for what I'm watching on tape, I'm like, this team is flawed. Like, I, I get the name, but they not who y'all think they is from what I see on tape. That's just my personal opinion. So I'm telling everybody, like, I'm just telling y'all, y'all, we got some dogs, and I'm telling y'all, we're going to take them down. So, anyways, so the, the biggest motivating factor was this. It was the night before the game. We at, we at the hotel. And I can't remember. Michigan State was playing some team in the SEC, and I can't remember for the life of me what team it was. But Michigan State ends up whooping the team from the SEC. And Coach Myers, like, he calls everybody and like, do you guys see this? He like, he like, if Michigan State is beating them, this team went toe-to-toe with Alabama. Michigan State is whooping them. So if that's the case, oh, we good. <laughs> so it's funny. Because I'm sitting here watching the SEC this year in bowl games, and right now they one in five. The big bad SEC is one in five in bowl games. So I'm sitting there saying to myself, listen, it's not what y'all think they is. They are very beatable. And if this team just pays attention to that and believes that they got some dogs and they can bang with anybody, then this game, they can walk out this game victorious easily. That That's one of the things that, you know, we're talking about this is when you look at Georgia, right, and you look at, you know, Ohio State, I think it's almost as David and Goliath thought process. But as I watch uh, Alabama all year, yes, they're very good. I think they're good on the defensive line. I think they, uh, as always, are, are very fast. They got speed at all the positions. I think they run the ball very effectively with a number of plethora of running backs that can get yards. My thing is I don't think that they've been stressed enough when it comes to Stetson Bennett. I think he's a serviceable quarterback. I think he's he's a sneaky good athlete, though. I think he's, he can run the ball and pull the ball down and run and hurt you a, a little bit. But when it comes to being a quarterback and, and, you know, thinking about how elite he is throwing the football, I think that's an area where Ohio State – could have some, um, could have some, uh, you know, a little bit of success if they can get after him. But given what the the uh, Jim Knowles has done, do you think that they can do that? And do you, where do you see the weaknesses of a Georgia team where Ohio State can exploit? So I agree with you. I think that the weaknesses of getting after Stetson Bennett. However, you have to give him his respect because any team that's downplayed him, he's embarrassed. I mean, you think of him last year in the national championship, he was making throws that was unbelievable. So he's definitely capable of doing that. With that being said, I don't think Ohio State will ever look at a quarterback again like, oh, he's not going to be able to do it because that's exactly the same game plan they had going into the team of North game with J.J. McCarthy, and he ended up making the correct throws and making throws to win the game. So I think now they have to respect anybody, everybody. However, I do agree with you that he would be the key piece that I would focus on. I would, I would sell out on the run because they are a physical team and they want to run the ball. So these linebackers, Tommy Eichenberg and, and, and Steel Chambers, have to do their job, which they've been doing all season. They've been really good against the run this year. So I'm not worried about them in the run game. When, when Stetson Bennett gets the ball in his hands, I am worried about our receive, their receivers versus our corners. I'm not saying that their receivers are great, but the problem is our corners have not played great at all. So this is the game that I think is going to come down to those guys being able to make plays. Jim Knowles has to do a better job than, than just call and cover zero. I mean, you know, you get $2 million to come here. You call, call and cover zero is a lazy game plan. He has to come up and be more creative 
He just, they are call him the master of disguise. He has to find a way to disguise coverages and allow these guys to get home. You look at the sack total on the Ohio State Buckeyes team right now. I think the leading sack player is Zach Sawyer. I think he's tied with four and a half sacks. That's unheard of at Ohio State. Joey Bosa had 13 sacks by this time. So that, that part right there is crazy to me. These guys got to find a better way to get in that backfield and get pressure on them. All of them individually have had games where they've looked good. They've never done it as a unit. And to win this game, they have to pass rush as a unit. And Stetson Bennett is not the tallest guy in the world. He reminds me of Baker Mayfield. You get back there, you put your hands up, and a batted ball works just as good as a sack. So please, if you get there and you're not going to get home, please put your hands up and get that ball batted down and get your hands in them throwing windows. Talking to Tyvis Powell on the North Orleans Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Uh, you can catch Tyvis on the Cleveland Browns uh, postgame show here, right here on 92.3 The Fan. Uh, Tyvis, let's transition a little bit into the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, they're good. Not the season that they wanted to um, get into. However, they, there's been some things said about, you know, this week has all been about, been about whether or not uh, Deep Podesta is really a guy that has more power than he has. How much uh, power and, and, and stuff does the, the front office have? When you look at this front office, um, do you believe uh, that they have warranted more time uh, to do uh, and to implement their plan? Say that last part one more time. Do you believe? Out. Do you believe that they they have uh, you know done what they needed to do, um, and do they warrant more time to implement what they want to do as far as their plan with the, the vision of the organization? Uh, right I now, mean, go ahead. You got to give yes. You got to give them more time. <laughs> I know that a lot of people are fed up, but like I say, it was a lot of variables into this season. Um, however, I do get the fact that you know they want to go to this air raid thing, and I understand. You know, they was throwing out the stats that, you know, you got to, to get an explosive play for running, you got to get nine yards, and for passing it's 13 yards. I get all of that. And I think Kevin Stefanski, back back in, when he had everything he had, he was doing that. You know, he was running those deep over routes, you know, with those receivers, and he was making things happen with Nick Chubb. The, pro- the problem is they don't have the speedy receiver that they need to stretch the field. So I think, it, to me, this offseason tells me everything we need to know. Last year, it was very questionable about some of the moves that they made or they did not make. With that being said, I, they better have learned the mistake that they made and go out there and correct those mistakes, address them in free agency or with the draft. And I think if they make the correct picks, which is hard in the draft, it's a hit or miss in the draft, but if they at least let people know that they are attempting to make that and why they did those picks, then I think that that right there is the confidence that they need going into this season. And plus, I think Deshaun Watson is a good enough quarterback to make, you know, a lot of guys better, and that's what he will do when he plays a full season. All right, Tyvis, when you look at this, uh, when you look at this talent on this team, um, there's been people who have talked about it uh, a lot, and they say, um, you know, is it coaching, especially on the defensive side of the football, where you play? They say, is it defense uh, of coaching? Or is it the players aren't just making the plays, right? Um, what do you think is the ultimate, who's the ultimate blame for why the Browns have been um, gone from more than most people thought could be a top five defense on paper to being one of the worst defenses in the league? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. 
I think that if, if people or players are going out there and making the same mistakes, then that falls on coaching. However, I do believe that it was a bunch of guys that they were counting on to take a step, and they did not take those steps this year. Or if they did take it, it took them too long to take that step. Like the secondary, for example, those guys, they've been balling as of lately, but it took them all the way to, you know, week 13, week 14 to get it done. So they got to find a way to come out the gate um, firing all cylinders. And I think that was the problem to why this defense has looked the way it looks. And, you know, I point out all the time, you know, when I do film breakdowns, I point out all the time that, you know, there's some mistakes that guys are making. Um, just last week, I, we, I talked about G. New, how he didn't crack replace on things. So that's something that you would think is like football one-on-one, but for some odd reason, it wasn't registered. So you gotta, you got to warrant that sometimes it's on him, sometimes it's on the coach. As a player, I couldn't. I could only imagine that they have they have went over crack replace drills a bunch of times. I mean, that's literally football one on one. So, it, like I say, it's hard to say it's just the player. You get you also have to say it's the coach. So I'm gonna say it's a mixture of both, um, not tying hand to hand and somebody just dropping the ball. All the time we hear people say, "Oh, he's lost the locker room. He's lost the, you know, he's lost the, the eye of his team or the ear of his team." You know, he, they, he, they're, they're tuning them out. I mean, when you go back to your time in the NFL and playing for, uh, you know, different organizations, have you ever seen a uh, a group on defense, whether it be offense or defense, kind of tune their coach out? And what 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 experience was that? What, what was the specifics of what you saw when you do see a player tuning somebody out? So I've never actually seen somebody tune their coach out because you got to think when I was, you know, I played for some of the, some great organizations that had some pretty good defenses. So they were too busy trying to learn more. They was trying to encourage and hear things more than uh, tuning the coach out. But when you, when a guy, I can only imagine that if a, if a coach loses the locker room, you would see it through effort. You would see it through players play. You know, they just going out there and they just basically going through the motions. That's, that's when you know it's like okay we you know we just out here we don't really believe in what he's calling obviously we're gonna run what he's calling knowing that at the end of the year this is probably over with our you know it'll be over with sooner than later but I've always been a part of a team that's that wants to be like number one defense we want to be number one in sacks number one in picks and stuff like that so I I actually experienced the exact opposite they were these guys were obsessed we're, we're trying to make plays and stuff like that and watching film. So, uh, yeah, I can't really relate to the tuning guys out. Uh, when you look at t- this team overall um, and, and going into the offseason, we, we talked about the defense, and I think this is going – last year the Browns got an opportunity to not really even talk about the draft a lot because we just were loaded. Like there's a couple years back-to-back where you're like, well – you know, you go back to 19, we had Odell and Jarvis in the backfield and in the lines. Uh, you look at this year, they went out and got they, – the year after that, they went and got Clowney and had Miles Garrett. So there wasn't too many different areas where there was areas of concern. This year, I think we'll go back to the, the times where we're really looking at the, the defense, really looking at your draft to see how you can get better, especially free agency as well. Do, what is the biggest major need uh, for this team? Um, and I'm going to give you three choices. Okay. Defensive tackle, linebacker, or receiver? <laughs> so this is, this is a very interesting question. To me, it depends on what you value. 
obviously I'm biased because I play defense, so I'm always going to lean to the side of a defense. I think Anthony Walker's a great linebacker. I think that was the purpose to why they looked the way they look once he was gone. That's when the defense kind of took a dive. So I wouldn't necessarily say lie. I think him and JOK will be fine. Defensive tackle is something that we've been preaching on. However, it is so hard to find a, a dominant defensive tackle. Those are not something that you just find on strings. Have y'all ever? Have you ever wondered? Like during trade deadlines or during final 53s, why you don't see so many defensive tackles being released? Because they, it's an important position, and it's so hard to find somebody that's, that's at least serviceable there. So that's why I think you have to hit on the defensive tackle spot in the draft when you get it. Or if you find a veteran in free agency, that's, that will probably be better. Um, as far as the wide receiver goes, if you're going with the, if you want to, if you're going to this air raid system and you want to get these 13 plus yards in passing plays, then you have to get the speedy receiver in the second round because obviously, out of all the positions you just named, as of lately, the trend has been that wide receivers in these drafts have been NFL ready and been able to make the biggest impact coming into the NFL. And you have to ride that wave right now while that trend is going. So I would think if let if you don't get the defensive tackle in free agency and it's not a great one there, obviously I'm going. We would go with the receiver. Uh, last question here uh, for you, Tyvis. So you know, you look at this offense, and you know they say they want to do some air raid. You know, do you think the fans um, are aware that the Cleveland Browns are are kind of switching gears a little bit, and that the Browns are basically moving away from the run game and the game that you know we've we've been so comfortable with so long for so long um do you think that they they understand that the, that Nick Chubb is not going to be the focal point of this offense uh moving forward <laughs> well G Bush I'll let you know if you don't know now you know <laughs> the way that this the way that this team has been playing it should have been very obvious that they were trending towards that way i mean since Deshaun Watson has been back Nick Chubb's numbers have went down. And, you know, that should tell a lot of people, hey, you know, this guy is the guy that we're paying all his money to. He is great with making plays with his arm, and they're trying to get him back to that. However, it's not like Nick Chubb's numbers would drop dramatic, drastically. I think that if you have the air raid, then the run game should open up for you. Now, people will say, well, Kansas City does stuff like that, and their running backs aren't. You know, they went and had Clyde uh, Davis or Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It might as well have been Clyde Davis because we didn't <laughs> heard no music from him. So that was, see what I did there? See what I did there? That was cold. Well, they, they say Clyde, Clyde Edwards Hilaire's numbers isn't great. Well, those are two totally different runners. I think if you if you do so happen to go to the spread, which, I mean, that's, that's fine. There's a lot of running backs that are – feel great out of the spread. I mean, I, I watched it at Ohio State for many, many years. Um, he would actually have a better chance because the box would be uneven and he'll have the numbers to do so. He should mm-hmm. be more effective there. It's one of those things that he has to just get used to doing it. I mean, he's been used to just being in the backfield, um, even having fullbacks or tight ends in front of him and just running the zone. But Getting it from uh, from the pistol or getting it from the gun, he just have to get used to doing those. But he could still be effective, and I think it actually would make him more effective in the run game if they did move to a spread. Tyvis, I appreciate you, man. Good luck tonight. I'm sure I'll be texting with you. 
See, <laughs> depending on what the Buckeyes is doing. So, uh, they, and I'm sure you. Depending on what they're they about to shock the world, G. <laughs> <laughs> Book it. Tyler Powell said it first. The Buckeyes are going to be victorious tonight. You need to be watching that other game because I'm still not sold on the team up north. Yes, I said that. I'm gone. I don't want to talk about it. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> he just, just mic dropped it. He's on, you know, mic drop on my show. It ain't nothing. You know, drop the mic. You know what? It's, I'm tired. Let's go to a 2020. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.